0: Welcome to COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, presenting information from various sources about the COVID-19 pandemic from public health policy and cultural perspectives. We will be sharing international accounts from policy, public health response, and even personal experiences firsthand about living in this era of COVID-19. So, you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID 19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here, like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So What you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Um, That's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. Hello and welcome back to this episode of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, and today we're talking about information, misinformation, and even missing information. This is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Being a PhD, I guess we do a lot of research, looking for information, finding things that are reliable, credible sources so that we can combine them and create our own information theories, and then we can test our hypotheses. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about how to find information about COVID-19 that is reliable, that you can trust. The reason I'm talking about this on this particular day is that it's April 1st, and I already got fooled a couple times today. I hate April Fool's Day. I thoroughly hate April Fool's Day because my name's April and I grew up with all kinds of stupid jokes when kids knew that my name was April. It's April Fool's. Ha ha ha. It's the most hilarious thing in the world. I freaking hate April Fool's Day. Also because of the fact that the kind of personality I have, I don't have time for BS in my life. And I hate when people lie. I hate when people are dishonest. It's a complete and utter waste of my time. And so when people give me April Fool's jokes, it just irritates me so much because it triggers me from childhood and then also just because it was a waste of time for me to believe it to have to go around and investigate it get laughed at but also just to find out that it was all a waste of time i don't like it at all and i wish we could just burn it to the ground anyways so today we're talking about information and misinformation as a result of this special day i guess i will start out by telling you absolutely not is this in no way is this an april fools joke COVID-19 is not a joke. I want to start there. COVID-19 is a serious virus that can cause life-threatening illness, respiratory illness. And that's what this whole podcast is about, right? How to understand the public health policy and cultural aspects and implications of COVID-19 around the world. This is something that we're all going through. This is the first time that we have seen this in this century. Let's go ahead and get into this topic of information and misinformation. So let's just clear the air for now and let's inhale goodness and truth and light and healing. And then let's go ahead and exhale all of that BS, all of that confusion and misinformation that's out there. I'm going to go ahead and as I've exhaled, talk about this misinformation that I have just exhaled and tell you what I've seen. There are people who still believe that this is a hoax, believe it or not. So I was talking to someone here in Southern California who actually still believed it was a hoax. I've seen people on the internet arguing that it is still a hoax. When I first saw this, people were arguing that it was some kind of like political joke. This is national, it's international, it's a global health issue. The second thing I saw was where people were saying that it was just a hoax because they weren't seeing it in their neighborhood. And I've talked about this a little before. I think I've shared my yoga story with you all. I was in a yoga teacher training that started in February. And by the end of the month, I was already getting a little nervous about being there, being immunocompromised. And by early March, I stopped going to class and the rest of the class was still meeting as usual. They were still going out on the weekends with each other. It was a much younger group of people. A lot of people were in their 20s. I am not in my 20s. So they were still gathering around. It was almost like a game of chicken, to be honest. It was supposed to be like super into like wellness and things. You know, they didn't want to believe that this was going on. They didn't want to hear the bad news, the negativity out there. And someone told me to stop, even though I felt like it was my responsibility as a public health PhD to share how important this growing pandemic this looming pandemic was and that we needed to take precautions as advised by officials that it was like a game of chicken to them where it was just like okay well if I keep believing in my zen and in my flow that you know we're going to be just fine and let's just keep on meeting eventually I had to write to them and say you guys I'm not coming back because I can't in good faith continue being in this program because you all are endangering the community they were continuing to meet. There are a lot of people who still believe that it's a hoax. I saw tweets where people were driving around hospitals, going to the emergency parking lots and seeing how empty it was in their locations, which were definitely not in New York, first of all, because they weren't seeing this huge crowd of people. That it must have been a hoax, that all of the medical system and all of their government officials, the World Health Organization, the CDC, playing some kind of huge joke and that there really is no threat of COVID-19. There are still people who are going to believe what they choose to believe or not believe what is out there until it's too late, unfortunately. And so COVID-19, it's a pandemic. And basically what that means is that we look at trends. We have to look at trends of incidence prevalence in different locations. Again, incidents being new cases, prevalence being the number of existing cases. These numbers have different Purposes in terms of treatment, control, prevention. But the thing with viruses that are exponential in growth is that once it's in your neighborhood, it is already exponentially growing. So we need to be prepared well in advance before we even see it. So it's not an issue of seeing is believing. Unfortunately, in this case, it's more about hearing about it, knowing that it exists out there, and then preparing for it. So Those are the two things I wanted to talk about. First of all, the misinformation side where people still believe that it's a hoax because they don't see it yet. But then once they do see it, the whole community is drowning in it and it's too late. Again, misinformation out there in terms of like people not seeing crowded hospitals yet, therefore. But it's not like that because if you went to New York or if you went to another location, you would see it. It's that we are preparing now. And we actually will be speaking in a coming episode It'll be released very soon, and it is speaking to somebody in the medical system here in the United States as we prepare for this growing peak of intake of people coming into the hospitals and the emergency rooms with COVID-19, as we've seen in other countries, Italy, for example, Spain, and of course, in China as well, New York now too. So just in advance, we are preparing for that because you don't want to end up having no capacity. For some of us, this is obvious stuff, but for others, it is not quite clear yet, unfortunately, and people don't take it seriously. And we talk about that in an upcoming episode about why are people not taking it seriously? Yeah, and I don't know if this is happening with everybody, but sometimes there's disagreements now it's like you have one idea of how people should prepare for something so there's argument out there about that as well with friends and family so let's go ahead and start talking about information where can we go to get the correct information what i would say right now is that covid19 is still relatively new we are not calling it the novel coronavirus so much anymore it's not so novel anymore but it is still relatively new as we try to figure this out. It's another version of a coronavirus, and there are many coronaviruses out there. Today, I wanted to start talking as well about where to get correct information. Where do you get actual information? And this is one of the key reasons why I set up this podcast. I started this podcast so that we can share real-life information, details, get some more facts out there from various perspectives globally and personally. I would say that one of the best places to get news is the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is a great place to get information that is consistent that the whole world is able to access. Another location for getting information is the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So this is our national level of information for disease control. And so what I can say is that it's they're constantly dated as information becomes more available as we start to know more about COVID-19 because COVID-19 is still relatively new. We know now. So there's a lot of information we're still learning. For example, about reinfection rates. We're not sure what immunity is going to look like yet. Right now we're still finding out what blood plasma transfusion could look like for people if we provide blood plasma of those who have recovered and provide that to people who are in the hospital, what that could look like. We're still trying to figure out if things like placanil, which is a lupus and RA autoimmune drug that is sorely needed uh, with that community, whether that's highly effective or not in treating people with COVID-19 illness, there's just still a lot that we don't know. Another place where we can find out information is the CDC, where we can find out their policies on what protective gear should look like, how people should be treating others uh, in the medical system, how we should be preventing at the personal level, how we should be preventing contagion, avoiding contracting the virus. So one of the best fact sheets out there, I would say, is the what you need to know about COVID-19, which is a CDC White paper. It's a one-page sheet with questions and answers. CDC's guidelines are basically just saying staying away from others, avoiding close contact, don't touch your face, wash your hands for 20 seconds, or use at least 60% alcohol sanitizer. So yeah, the CDC is another website where you can get a lot of information. And then your statewide websites are really good. So here we are in California, so we would look at the California Department of Public Health for updates. It gives you numbers statewide. It gives you a little bit of a map of how many people in each county have it, ages of confirmed cases, the gender, hospitalization numbers as well. So that's pretty good information. These are the most trustworthy locations for information. I actually personally really like the state level the most and the international find a lot of information and then you can also start to look into your local regional county state and even your city websites for information so for example in california the city of pasadena and the city of long beach as well as the city of san francisco have their own data you would be able to look at their websites to find out more information in more zoomed in more local level information. Los Angeles County for example has a great public health website and they will give you a lot of information about how the numbers look. This whole county they've got a whole breakdown by city los angeles is a city with a lot of mini cities i don't even know what to call them so like the city of koreatown or hollywood or highland park those are all communities i guess within the city of los angeles then we have other cities outside of course pasadena malibu glendora those are also on the county website and so we're, they're giving us numbers of all these cases of COVID 19. so i really like the county level website I really like the state-level website, and I really like the World Health Organization. CDC is as good as well. It's got a lot of guidelines on protective measures. But in terms of like burrs, detailed data, more local level. Yeah, that's one thing I learned at the beginning of public administration, breakdown of government from different pieces. I kind of think of this like when I was little, there was like these little measuring cups, all these different colors. And that's kind of what I think about when I think about government. So you've got the big the big cup, which is like your federal or maybe your international, and then all these smaller cups go inside of it. Then you've got your state, your county, or your province, or whatever, your regional. And then you've got your city level that all go into this umbrella of government. There are all these different sources of information that you can find to get about, for example, how many people have been infected, that have been tested, and that have been recorded as a reportable requirement of infectious disease and then at the higher levels you find more of the policy level of protective measures and guidelines for protecting yourself, protecting your community and then also for healthcare workers. And then another place where you can go to find out good information is the research, going directly to the research. So I haven't even talked about the news sources yet. The news sources is still another way, but before we even go there, even more firsthand, in my opinion is going to the officials, going to that county-level, state-level, government-level approach to finding out what's going on, I would go there first. The second place I would go, or that I go to, is the research and the data. So here we can go to my favorite website, Google Scholar. Google Scholar will connect you to all of the research, academic, scientific, medical, clinical, Recorded trials and data and commentary that's out there from the medical and science community. Google Scholar is available to everybody if you can access Google, and you will have access to a range of publications out there from scientific journals. So that's another great place to go if you're new to scientific journals. What you want to do is just click on abstract, look at the very first paragraph, abstract, just your one paragraph summary that will give you pretty much what you need to know. Another great place of information from there would be then your news sources, I guess. You can do that next. But even before that, I really like Twitter. You have to be careful. They got me today. Um, Even from an MD, they did an April Fool's joke and I fell for it because I saw that it was a great news story and then um, it was about Albert Einstein, and then I saw that an MD had actually posted it, so it must be true, right? April Fool's Day joke, I was so mad. Anyways, what you do is you look at the news, you look at the posts, and sometimes this is where reporters actually get their information. They start contacting people on Twitter and saying, hey, would you be available? Can you email me? So even before the news even shares the breaking news, you can sometimes find it in Twitter. So what you have to do is just make sure that you're looking at a reputable source. So for example, who is reporting this? Who is tweeting this? So if it's a news broadcasting company, it's gonna have to be credible for the most part. If it's an MD or, if it's, or an academic or a researcher, basically you'll find um, like a check mark with a green circle in Twitter and basic, or a blue circle, can't remember. But that tells you that they've been approved as this like public figure, I guess. I don't know, but then you can also find out, okay, so this person says that they work at this university or at this hospital. You can do a Google check on them if you are really interested in what they're saying. But for the most part, you can start to see who follows, who is commenting and replying back to them. And you will see that there are some established researchers and medical practitioners on Twitter, which is pretty cool, so you can find out firsthand what they're going through, what they're experiencing, what they're identifying. So, from the autoimmune community, I love finding out firsthand, hearing from MDS around the world about the types of patients they've been interacting with, people with autoimmune conditions, the immunocompromised. They're reporting. We saw at my hospital, we saw this many people today with with COVID nineteen, and this number of them were on Plaquenil, or this many were on other autoimmune related drugs and then they tell us what the outcome is. Okay they were hospitalized but now they're recovered and they're back gone home, which is wonderful news in many cases. So what I'm saying is just clicking on the source of who's reporting it, also responding to it gives gives them more credibility to me to believe that this is true information. This is stuff that you will not necessarily find on the news. This is stuff that you will only hear from directly from the mouth of or directly from the computer or the directly from the Twitter account of practitioners, researchers and individuals who are able to report on what's going on with COVID-19 in real time uh, before or outside of what the news is interested in reporting. So that's pretty cool stuff. Then of course, I guess we can go into the news, choose your location of where you find news and looking at various sources to make sure there's congruence, finding out truth in that way as well. To close now, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about that missing information. And I talked about this, I think, in the last episode at the beginning, where um, sometimes there's a difference between truth and fact. You know, in one case, people are telling the truth to the best of their knowledge. To the best of our knowledge, we believe that this drug is going to you know, be the answer. But then once we've actually done the full clinical trial, found that actually it only worked for 2% of all patients. So then it's no longer completely going to be... It was true at the time, but it's no longer a fact that it is actually going to help everybody. I guess looking at, that, at it that way, the nature of research and science anyway, that. that things that we believe to be true can be our hypothesis, our theory. And then once we find out and we test it out... To the extent that everyone agrees on, then we can decide if it's fact or not. And so we're still at that point where we're still trying to figure out what is fact, what is true about COVID-19. So we're still at the beginning of all of that. But today I just wanted to talk to you. If you're kind of lost and you're kind of confused by all the stuff that's going on out there, all the information... Looking through websites, looking through Google Scholar, looking at the government level information from public health agencies, then the news and Twitter, if you're interested in that, can find out and decide for yourself what is true, what is fact. That's enough to keep many of us busy right now during this uh, time of shutdown, I guess. The last thing I wanted to say was about there are three types of people, I believe, or three types of responses in a public health crisis like this we want to be in the middle. So there's one side where people are in denial. They don't want to hear it. Maybe it scares them. They don't want to know anymore. They don't want to see any information about COVID-19 and their head is in the sand. Everything's going to be fine. Namaste. It's going to be perfect. And I don't need to know. That's one side, right? Where you just choose to like, you know, ignorance is bliss. And then on the other side, it's like, I've heard enough as well to know that It's the end of the world and I'm going to stockpile everything and I'm going to hide in a cave. So both sides of this spectrum are fear-based and being in the middle is being vigilant, being proactive, being aware. So when we look at the numbers, I don't know, maybe it's just me because I have a public health background. I'm a researcher. I look at the numbers and to me, it's information. It's data. It just helps me to understand the context, helps me to understand what's going on. Helps me to understand what things are looking like, whether it's huge numbers or small numbers. It's information that is giving me context, knowing what is going on in my environment, knowing what the situation looks like, knowing what's available, what I can do, what I can do about it, who I can help, how I can respond in this crisis. That's being in the middle, being proactive, being aware, and choosing to keep on top of things. I really think that's the best approach to responding to COVID-19. I really believe that that's the best way to protect ourselves and our communities with a sense of calm, with a sense of awareness. And this is not really the place for it in this podcast, but mindfulness is a great tool. Noticing things without associating feeling to it. Just observing. Observing the present moment. Focusing on what we can do right now. And so I hope you enjoyed this episode of COVID-19 PPC, public health policy and culture. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, any burning questions about COVID-19, feel free to send me a message in Anchor. Anchor.fm slash COVID-19 PPC is our website. And until next time, stay well and take good care out there.